Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Let's Talk Community with TLC Caregivers. Brought to you by TLC Caregivers. Welcome to today's show. As you heard, our show is called Let's Talk Community with TLC Caregivers. TLC Caregivers cares for people. We provide dependable caregivers for all ages, newborn to geriatric in their own living environment. And just to emphasize that, children, adults with and without disabilities, empowering them with their abilities. We care for elderly persons and we provide relief of family caregivers. TLC Caregivers serves all generations as needed. We are the area's oldest non-medical provider of services in the community, having been established in 1989. TLC Caregivers, we do more than you think. I'm Kenny Holt, and I'm glad you've joined us today. And I'm Lou Donaldson. Also with TLC Caregivers. Also with TLC Caregivers. Um, Our guests today are Trudy O'Brien and Charles Thomas, both from Capstone Adaptive Learning and Therapy Centers. And that's a mighty long name. So today we're just going to say Capstone. Is that okay? That's perfect. Works. So glad you're here today. And before we get too far into it, Kenny, I, I'm stuck on this. I want everybody to, um, I'd like you to jump in there, Trudy, and explain to everyone who Capstone is. You're not a new, you're not a new No, charity. we aren't new, although we sound new. We have a new name and we have a new look. Originally in 1953, we became United Cerebral Palsy of Northwest Florida. So we've been around a long time. It's just that our name no longer defined what we did or those that we served. And so you, when you said UCP, what does that do? But Capstone Adaptive Learning and Therapy Center explains that we provide educational and therapy services for individuals that have disabilities, not just cerebral palsy. We serve children who have autism, intellectual disabilities, but we also serve individuals who do not have disabilities, similar to TLC. I was going to say it's very similar to TLC caregivers. And preparing for today's show, I love it that incorporated into your mission statement is people of all ages. Mm -hmm. I mean, your program encapsulates the need in our community. Yes, um, I think we were we were talking before the show, and I think you said that the youngest one that can come into the daycare mm-hmm. is six months old, and into some of the specialty training programs is eight months. We we see children in the home through the early steps programs, and some of those are as young as six months. In our child care, we can take them as young as six weeks. So you can serve people of all ages and all mm-hmm. abilities. That's correct. Let's talk a little bit about your experience, uh, Charles, or Mr. Thomas, as I've heard you called all day today. (laughs) And I think that's from your background as having been uh, a Scambia County School District teacher, principal, and administrator for 35 years. That's pretty impressive. It It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And for Capstone, you are the vice president of children's programs. Yes. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. Well, that your transition as well. Right. I I had been serving as principal at Capstone up until this past June and um, started Capstone program in 2004 as principal there. But there was a need to uh, have someone to oversee the school programs that we have both in Milton and in Pensacola, as well as the clinic programs that we have in both places and the child care center in Milton. And so 
the title of Vice President of Children's Programs. And, and when we say children's programs, those programs focus primarily on the younger child. Even though our child care program in Pensacola serves a few older children, by and large, the children that we see in capstone educational programs or therapy clinics are usually young children. Uh, we, we have, in Pensacola, we're serving about 40 students in our educational program in Milton. Uh, we are look, looking to serve in the neighborhood of 30 to 35 in that program. Very good. Very good. And Trudy, I know you have a diverse background as well. And you've seen the program with uh, United Cerebral Palsy grow not only from a standpoint of expanding, but from the need. Yes. Um, I've been with Capstone 14 years, and we we brought on the two charter schools. We uh, merged with another program and got the child care center. We expanded. We did children's therapy, but... Now we have two standalone clinics where families can come in. They don't necessarily have to be a student at one of the schools. They can just be someone out there in the community. Um, We have five group homes, and we've brought several group homes since I've been with the organization. We've expanded programs. Um, Before that, I was with United Way as a fundraiser, so I was very familiar with the organization from that that time. because they were a partner agency, so I've 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 watched them grow up a bit. Sounds like it. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, at the schools, you all have the programs for pre-K, VPK, after-school programs, a high school transition to work program. Am I missing anything there with your programs at the schools? Well, the clinic. excuse me, the clinic therapy programs that we have there too, as Trudy was just describing, walk-in programs where if a parent takes their child to a doctor and the doctor says, you need to be evaluated for speech therapy, then they can come to Capstone. We'll set them up for an evaluation. And should they qualify, then we set them on a schedule for receiving speech therapy. The school program and the voluntary pre-kindergarten program both are <clears throat> components of the state of Florida educational services, uh, whereas the clinic and the child care programs fall on, well, excuse me, the child care programs fall under the Department of Children and Families. Uh, and then the clinic is a, a standalone setting run through you know, uh, Capstone Adaptive Learning. Okay. Um <clears throat> The academies, I think you said it, Trudy, is the first inclusive charter school for infants to age five in North Florida. Mm -hmm. It was opened in 2004, and you've seen this expanding of those programs. We had three students the first year, and they weren't from Escambia County. They came to us from Santa Rosa County, and within four years... We had to had to build on to the school. We had to add wow. a couple more classrooms. The first the first mm-hmm. year was uh, quite challenging because we we didn't have the population we thought we would have. You know, and running a new program, you have to establish credibility. Someone has to see and say uh, they've got a pretty good program going here. And it took a couple of years for the community and for the school district to begin to recognize that. Once that happened, though. 
then the floodgates opened, mm-hmm. so to speak, and we were adding on. Right and here away. in Escambia County, you're at capacity. Right. In 2010, the need was there in Santa Rosa, and you started another one in Santa Rosa County in Milton. Right. And that one is as successful and growing. And They have absolutely been quick to grow. Uh, right now, they do have space available in the special needs program, the ESC program for three- to five-year-olds. And in their voluntary pre-kindergarten program, they have some room there. Uh, they are, in fact, adding some uh, slots to their voluntary pre-kindergarten program. So if you have a child who's four, uh, turn four prior to September 1st, then they can enroll or turns four prior to September 1st. They can enroll in the voluntary pre-kindergarten program. Well, before we move on, let's how, how do you do that? I mean, how do, how do you enroll somebody? Well, a couple of different ways. Uh, VPK children are now enrolled completely online. That's done through the Department of Children and Families. And uh, there's a website. I, I can't give you that. Well, you could go to elcescambia.org, uh, elcescambia.org, and it'll walk you through registering. There's no fee for the program, no fee for registration. Uh, it's completely free throughout the school year for a four-year-old. Uh, and and as I said, we have space in Milton. For the special needs program or exceptional student education program, those children have to go through an evaluation process by the school district, either Santa Rosa or Escambia County. And if they qualify through that evaluation process, then they are referred to us if the parent chooses to come to Capstone. And, again, we set them up with their therapy services, with the educational programs, based on their individual educational plan that has been written. And, again, all of those services are free. There's no charge to the parent at all. So are all students that attend Capstone developmentally challenged? No. Those in the ESC program are. Those in the voluntary pre-kindergarten program are typically developing children. And I loved what you said earlier, Trudy, define typically developing. Yeah, define a typically. <laughs> but the inclusion in the VPK, that's important. Yeah, I we, think so. We um, in, in Pensacola have for years taken our students who are uh, our most able special needs children and blended those with our voluntary pre-kindergarten four-year-olds so they learn together, they play together, they work together, they, they're with each other as friends, uh, the, they learn to socialize together. And, of course, that's one of the biggest pieces of all is that they understand what social activity is and how to engage another person without grabbing a toy from him or that type of thing. Um, and usually within a few weeks, you don't know who's who. Yeah. Uh, well, they're all there together, and they all work together, and they become best friends. Uh, and it's really a very, very effective tool to use with those children. I think inclusion is so important. Those students learn to work mm-hmm. together. Well, they they learn from each other. They watch each other. And you even mentioned that today about your grandson. Yes. He observes everything and then moves, you know, either uses those things that he observes and that's how it is with these kids and everybody wins Mm -hmm. that's what i love about the inclusive classroom 
Yeah. Um, you have taken away the mystery mm-hmm. of a child with a disability or a neurologically typical child. There's there's no labels. Those are that's just the kid that sits next to me. Yes. And then we find things that we have in common, and we both benefit from that relationship. And when they're older, and and become adults, they're not afraid of somebody who has a disability when they they see them out in in public. They're right. comfortable because they have been around people with disabilities. Perfect example of that was a couple of years ago at our completion ceremony. We had a little boy who had special needs, who was uh, quite active. And for him to sit still for any type of program for 15 or 20 minutes was almost impossible. (laughs) But we figured out a way to do that. And there was a little girl who was in our voluntary (laughs) pre-kindergarten class who really liked him. And so we gave her a small bag of gummy bears broken in half. And he sat next to her and very... Uh, discreetly during the program when he would start to get a little fidgety she would reach in the bag get a gummy bear and very carefully hand it over to him he'd take it and <laughs> he never got up he never moved and you ne- most people didn't know what was going on they never saw it but it was just a, a beautiful companionship i might have to know? plagiarize that for church for my husband <laughs> start feeding him gummy bears a little bit of a time. so in other words you meet persons where they're at. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Well, children are so much more accepting than those of us who have lived more and have biases or yeah. or, or less open. And uh, I love that they're brought together at a young age. Mm-hmm. And all of the kids see that we're all just little individuals. We're not necessarily yep. labels. Yep. And they, they become best friends. I mean, it's really amazing at the end of the day when they're leaving to go home, how many of them, as they're exiting the foyer with their parent, they're hugging one another, saying, I can't wait to see you tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, and, and literally. Or in first grade. Yeah, or in, yeah, yeah. It's sure. just a, it's an incredible, incredible thing that happens with them. And that's empowering to a young mind that somebody accepts them the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our intro on our radio show, we talk about empowering people with their abilities. And I think that's exactly what you all do uh, in your programs. Well, the other thing too, <clears throat> excuse me, is that it, it gives a message to parents uh, that parents can see their child as being accepted. Whereas in a lot of places, their child hasn't been accepted. And when it's another four-year-old, that means even more because then the parent knows he's got a friend. Or she's mm-hmm. got a friend. And uh, that's powerful. That's extremely powerful. Very powerful. And I noticed that in the 12 years that you've operated, you've served over 2,300 infants and children. And I'm sure there's a wonderful amount of success stories in there. Uh, I don't want to mention names, but I know we were talking about one of those at lunchtime because we all know this this family and if you could, if you would tell a little bit about her story, like I said, I don't want to mention names, sure. but I know from where she started to where she is today is just incredible. Well, this, this child came to us um, as a three-year-old, uh, having gone through child find and been evaluated by the school district and was found to have needs in occupational therapy as well as speech therapy. She had no language. Uh, well, let me back that up and say 
maybe a word or two, but very limited language. Uh, an extremely shy child who hardly ever made any notice of herself uh, in the classroom would go in the corner and just stay out of every, everyone's way. And through the work of our our teachers, our teacher assistants, our therapists, uh, spending a lot of time and, and our therapy program, they don't do they don't do pull out therapy generally. They go into the classroom, put and do what we call push in, where they are working in the classroom with the child on something that is naturally going to be done by that child during the day. And it may involve other children sometimes to, to help in that setting. Uh, but through their efforts and, and daily work, and the child did attend school, and that's, I, I, I can't emphasize that enough, how important it is at this age when you have a special needs child for them to be there every day, every day possible. We mm-hmm. know children get sick, but the consistency is huge for those children. <clears throat> this this child did attend very well, and by the end of her third year with us, and she's one of the rare ones that got to stay three years because of when her birthday fell, by the end of that third year, she was talking in complete sentences, asking who, what, where, when questions, answering that type of question, uh, and being an initiator in relationships with other children, she wasn't the little wallflower anymore. In fact, uh, she was uh, uh, <laughs> sometimes had to be throttled back just a little bit because of her eagerness. Uh, but then she left us and went into a general education classroom in kindergarten. And so the, the change that took place in three years was astonishing to see a, a video of a child at three who had no language and who was so reticent to do anything. And then at five, when she enters kindergarten, is it's like, is that the same child? Are you sure that's the same child? And it's amazing. She became interactive and animated mm-hmm. and is one of those that leads, or before she left the school, was leading others right. in their program. Right. Yeah, I had gone over to take some pictures one day some activities that the children were doing. And she was sitting over on the side and had a little bit of a mad face on. And I said, what's up with this? And I said, well, she's because she was being a little bossy. <laughs> They're like, okay, you got to ratchet it back just a little bit. but And that was a good thing, but... <laughs> it's still a success story. It's still yeah, a success we, story. We want them to become bossy, but not all the time. <laughs> Inappropriate time. Yeah. Okay, so... Also at the uh, academies, you have the high school transition to work program. The transition to work program is for students who don't qualify for after school care anymore who have disabilities. So they're at a, at, at a different location. But in our after school program, we have what's called the school aged child. So they might be 14, 15, 16, 17. But because of their disability, they cannot remain at home by themselves for whatever reason. Uh, They might not make good choices. Um, They might have a tendency to wander off. Um, They might be very trusting, uh, and somebody else could 
convince them to do something that they shouldn't. Parents have peace of mind knowing that their child is someplace after school lets out during the day. And a lot of times that keeps families from having to, somebody from having to quit a job mm-hmm. to stay at home and take care of a child. Or maybe the caregiver is their grandparent and they need a little bit of respite. Our after-school care also is is for the full day during school breaks and summer vacation that's, that's, as well. That's one of the really nice things about that is when school is out for Christmas break, we're still open mm-hmm. for those children who have been a part of our program. We're there every day except the normal holidays. Uh, and so the parent can continue to work. They don't have to take off. We're there during the summer from 7 in the morning to 6 in the evening. And um, it's just a wonderful opportunity for parents to have either, as as Trudy said, a break, uh, uh, the support, a safe environment, be able to continue their work. And they get to be with their friends. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, and they're participating in meaningful activity. Yes, they are. We're goal-oriented, I would assume. Gosh. Yes. Socialization. Sure. They get physical activity. They, they can work on their homework. Uh, it's... It's not an instructional program per se. It's a support program for that type of thing. And I'm sure that families love having that connection in the community, Mm -hmm. that time's covered. And like you said, Trudy, it is a responsible place, and the family loves to have that they're there. But outside of those hours, agencies such as TLC caregivers can assist in that. And I'm sure that the families talk to you about that because it doesn't end when they walk out of the school of their day and their learning, Mm -hmm. and it just continues on. And I know they look forward to coming back the next day, though, but just it's a full 24-hour day for Mm -hmm. those families. We. I get, we do a lot of information and referral, and we get a lot of calls from families whose child is in a high school program. They have a disability, and they're going to graduate at age 18. But a child who has an IEP, an education plan written for them, they can remain within the school system until their 22nd birthday. Mm -hmm. And so that's where our high school to work transition program can kick in. They don't necessarily still attend their school in those four years. They would come to another program of which ours is, is one. And, um, but we will get calls from families. Well, Timmy's graduated from high school. How old is Tim? 18. I said, you know, he can remain in school for four more years. Well, he really wants to get out there and, and do something. And then I'll start digging a little bit because there are other state agencies that can help fund an employment program right. and things right. of that nature. But there's a waiting list at the state level. And so that precious like, dollar. Yes. Rather significant wait list. Yes, it is. Uh, for adults in the state of Florida, it's anywhere from twenty-five to 30,000 individuals. Now, this is statewide. Right. But that's still an incredible number. Well, it is an incredible number. And you mentioned something a few minutes ago about grandparents raising grandchildren. I think um, across the board, whether there's a developmental disability or any issue, I think we're seeing a lot more grandparents with grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Yes, And we I are. think it's very, very important that they arm themselves with as much information as they can get. Yeah, and and P 
people don't know where to there i will i will say there are a lot of schools out there that talk to the students and their parents Mm -hmm. and i will be talking to them and they'll say well i was talking to tim's teacher and he said you would know about so they they are aware but they're they're a teacher not necessarily a social worker but they're trying to help those those students get in where they can continue their education, can become employed if they wish to be employed. If they're not going to be employed, is there an adult day care or training program out there for them? And have they done all the things they need to do to be able to get into those programs? And that's where things get a little tricky for people. And now if you're not necessarily mom or dad, but your grandmother for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you've, you've got a, life, a lot of life experiences, but you may not know where to go to help Tim get what, into what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about the funding and the and the wait lists. Some of your programs can be private pay. Is that correct? They all, all of those that are not the public school piece, they could be private pay. But typically, in in our schools, in our child care situations, they they get what's called subsidized child care. Uh, to help out and pay child care is very expensive but you have to think you're putting your loved one in the hands of somebody that's responsible for their whole person for a big part of the day i mean they've got to feed them and change them and cuddle on them and teach them stuff and keep them safe um private pay is a possibility um typically those may be our our adult programs, but those that private pay, here again, they're leaving their loved one in a situation where they may have to be fed, changed, um, taught. They have goals as well when they're adults. And so they may only come one or two days of the week because of the cost, but it still gives that family a break at some point. Right. Which is much, 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 much needed. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Now, we've talked about the academy uh, a lot, and we've talked about the Work to Transition program. Let's talk about your group homes. That was one of the things that I did not realize that Capstone had. Yes, we have five group homes for youth, and typically the youth would be anywhere from 20, 22, and older, and adults. And these are individuals that have, fairly significant disabilities. Um, a lot of them, the majority of them use, use wheelchairs. We have a few that use walkers. We have uh, one individual who is, is blind. Of the five group homes, we care for about 30 adults. And that means we get them up in the morning. We get them ready to come to whatever program they are in. Um, then they're in their program during the day. They get picked up in the evening. Each group home has a van or vans to pick up the uh, individuals, take them home, get them ready for supper. I mean, it's just like any family. They do things on the weekends. A lot of the individuals that we serve may not have a family member who is active in their life. Some of them have no relatives to, to say. Some of them, maybe their families got transferred from the area, but they liked the program that they were in. They liked the fact that they were in a home. They didn't want to uproot them and move them. So they, you know, they come back. Again, that goes back to that 
that goes back to that meaningful involvement yes. and interaction with your peers. Being in the community. Uh, that's important to me. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, you know, not having that. Well, they're, they're, they're family. And, you know, the group homes, the caregivers in the group homes are the salt of the earth. They are passionate. <laughs> they take care of those individuals. And let me tell you something. Not all the time when you tell them it's time to get up in the morning are they wanting to get up. You know how right. it is. You wake up right. some days and it's like, oh, I really don't want to go. Like, <laughs> Come on, let's do it. But they, they, keep them, they keep them motivated. They keep them going. Um, and, and I'll tell you, people with disabilities, they notice stuff about you. I've had the adults that we serve ask me, are you okay today? Because they can tell when you're having, you know, and I don't even have to say anything. They take one look, and they are the sweetest. They are the most caring individuals. And we are very fortunate to be to be able to have that responsibility and take care of somebody who really needs your help. And isn't it amazing that they pick up on those cues and the interactions just like anybody else would? Yes. And sometimes more sensitively than some of us. Very observant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're very diverse. Uh, infants, children, teenagers, young adults, adults. Therapy clinics, schools. Mm-hmm. The adult programs, the transition to work. All of that is just, it's amazing to me. Well, there's one before we move on, Kenny, I really like to hear a lot more about. We we briefly discussed it before we went on the air, um, and it is the child care center. So a young oh. mother. Oh, the teenage teen pregnant. parent program. Mm-hmm. There we go, teen parent yeah. program. Well, in Milton, this this is where we have that center, the Milton Child Care Center, which is located on the campus of Milton High School. Okay. And so if a, if a teen parent, is in, in the situation where they have had a baby, their child can go to the child care center uh, while they attend school. So they can complete their high school diploma while the child is in a program that's helping them also. Uh, it, both of those situations are funded through the state uh, through what used to be called the dropout prevention program because typically uh, a teen parent would be a dropout. Right, you know, right. They would they would have to stay at home to take care of the child. And this provides the funding for not only that child to be in school, but for the teen parent to be in school and to complete their diploma. Uh, I don't have any data on how many of those children do that, but it, it has been very successful all throughout the state because it has been there for years and years. I know for the last at least the last 22 years it's been in place. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's just another tool to keep children in school who normally wouldn't be there. Well, if mom gets an education, we're already better off, right? Absolutely. Right. Yep. Both mother and child. Yep. Now, um, some of those children might have disabilities or some of neurologically typical children the child for the child care center doesn't well go well, ahead <laughs> well i was going to say there's some predictors that that lead us to know there's a strong possibility of, of um, developmental delays or, or, or other delays that the child may have you know low birth weight okay. certainly is one of those predictors and and many teen parents deliver early and consequently the birth weight is low so we monitor those children. Uh, they're monitored in the program. 
uh, therapists and others who are part of their their growth are going to keep up with the milestones, whether they meet those milestones or not. There's a uh, protocol called the ASQ. That's the ages and stages questionnaire, which you look at, you know, at six months, are they doing these things? At one year, are they doing these things? And that's that's one of the strong indicators for us uh, to tell us if the child is meeting the needs that uh, are meeting the goals that he should be meeting at that point. And that includes chewing and swallowing. Yes, absolutely. All of those, anything related to growth and development is covered in that questionnaire. And if we see that there's a need, then that child is referred to uh, a pediatrician to get a diagnosis and then prescription for services. And some of those do get therapy services uh, after that point. Wonderful. And anyone attending any of your programs, regardless of what their medical condition is and how complex, I did notice that all facilities have nursing. And I think it's important that we emphasize that when we're talking about these programs, that if there is a medical, I mean, they're right there on staff. We we have two nurses at our E Street location because the majority of the individuals that come in have medications that may have to be administered by a nurse. Uh, they have to have trachs cleaned. Mm-hmm. Some of them have to have breathing treatments. Occasionally we will have an individual who needs tube feeding and their medication has to be introduced through the, the tube. But all of our programs have access to the nurse, and she trains them. They may have a child at Capstone Academy has uh, allergic reactions and needs an EpiPen. Um, the nurse is notified, and then she will come over and work with the teachers and say, okay, here's here's how this is supposed to work. Um, so they have access to our nurses. Also, our nurses are on call after hours and on the weekends, for our group homes. So if something, say somebody in one of our group homes is prone to seizures and maybe they have one that's lasting longer, Mm -hmm. uh, they have access to our nurse. But they're also trained on every single person because each person is an individual. They have individual medical, emotional, behavioral concerns and the nurse will work with that staff on, you know, what is what is our plan of action to, to work with this individual. So they we have access. Every one of the individuals we serve, we have access to the nurse. And, of course, if something bad happens, you pick up the phone, you dial 911. Right. Right. It probably would have been easier to ask at the top of the hour, you know, what don't you do <laughs> than to... Than to uh, I don't think that has the same impact. Right, right. I, I have. I love hearing what you do do. I do yeah. want to jump in on this though because um, Kenny has a lot of uh, case management in his history, and I'm a business gal, so I want to ask a couple of questions. How's all this funded? Nitty gritty. Well, various. <clears throat> excuse me. Various programs come from various funding streams. The program for pre-K children, special needs children, comes through the state. Okay. through the regular school funding, just like public schools get. And by the way, I don't think I mentioned this, but both of our programs in Milton and in Pensacola are charter schools, which are public schools. So we receive all the funding that they would receive uh, in, in, in the same format. Voluntary pre-kindergarten is through the Early Learning Coalition, uh, consequently through the state of Florida, too, uh, and 
that is a per child amount, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $2,400 per child per year. And um, then therapy funding can come from private pay. Parents can pay for therapy. Of course, it can come through their insurance. It can come through uh, uh, Medicaid, any of a variety of insurance uh, possibilities for that. But when I say therapy funding, I don't want to mislead that the funding they get as a part of the school program, that's incorporated in the school funding. So that is, that's completely free for the parent. Any, any outside therapy beyond the school day would be one that would be either private pay or through insurance, through Medicaid, uh, or other means by which the parent would, would have. The um, after-school care, and likewise, like Trudy said earlier, it could be a voucher that assists the parent. The parent still would have a copay in that setting, or it could be private pay. Most of the time, the children do have a voucher that they would get through the Early Learning Coalition for Child Care. And, of course, as a nonprofit, you accept donations from yeah. the community as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. and you do fundraising. Yes, we do. Um, and we've got a couple coming up. Um, the, one of them is our Jambalaya Cook-Off, which we had our first one last year, and it was very successful. It's September 23rd, which is a Friday. We're in the midst of a kind of an annual fundraiser called Thank Our Lucky Stars. I don't know if you all remember when we had Starfest. It was a telethon. Mm-hmm. And um, telethons have have a place, but it just got to be a little more challenging to be able to rally everybody around a telethon anymore. So we are doing what's called Thank Our Lucky Stars. And anybody who wants to give at a certain level, included in that are some 5-second and 10-second public service announcements on Channel 3. And so that's been, you may have seen some of them out there, but individuals in the community uh, just pledge their support of Capstone, and they've made a donation. And before the end of the show, we'll talk about how people can connect with you. And amongst Mm -hmm. other things, you all have a Facebook page, and as well, TLC Caregivers has a Facebook page, and we'll talk about that. I would like to have the information for your fundraisers for our Facebook, and I know they're on your Facebook, so yeah. we'll get that up. Uh, one other thing that I want to talk about is as a nonprofit, you probably have a need for volunteers, bodies of people to do things, right? It's always nice to have extra hands. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's never a, there's never I- anything not, I'm trying to say this, there's always something to do. Um, we have had been very fortunate in the past few years to have some outstanding volunteers on uh, Day of Caring, for example. Mm-hmm. Last year we had the, uh, I'll give them kudos here, the Department of Engineering from the Escambia County uh, Board of County Commissioners. Their Department of Engineering came out. Samantha Hill had a crew of, I want to say, 12 to 15 people, and it was amazing what they got done in about six hours. And they were looking for more. I'd run out of projects for them. <laughs> I, I, I had a long list thinking, oh, this will keep them busy. They went to work and didn't slack up one bit. And uh, those kinds of things, which aren't necessarily the, the teaching a child, but it's creating an environment that is child-friendly, that makes a child feel welcome by when you pressure wash the building or you trim the shrubs back or you do anything to make it more appealing, 
Uh, and those are the kinds of volunteers that that are wonderful to have, and also to have people who come in and sit down with a child one-on-one and take an hour or 30 minutes and read to them or just show them the interest that they're looking for. Those are special volunteers, too. So, And, of course, just like your employees, all volunteers and employees go through the rigorous background screening mm-hmm. to ensure that we've got safe people right. dealing with our children and vulnerable adults. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in our adult programs, especially the high school to work transition program, they love to have guest speakers come in and talk about what it is they do where they work. Um, It's an educational thing for them. Uh, But some of the other things we do is we'll have groups come in and play bingo or play Wii, uh, have a little carnival, just come over and bake cookies together and decorate cookies. And so... Things that people would do with the young ones, the older ones like to do fun stuff, too. We've got one individual. Every time we say, okay, what kind of activities do we want to do? He loves wheelchair races. He just is crazy about them. And let me tell you something. He will beat you. (laughs) (laughs) And we all all learn and grow if we're having fun, right? Yes. It's got to be fun. Tell us what type of employees are needed uh, at Capstone. Um, do you want to talk about the, the schools and the Yeah, I'll be glad to. Go ahead. <laughs> One of the things that we're always looking for are teacher assistant uh, subs as well as after-school care workers. Uh, and there's, there's some background stuff that has to be done there, but it's not a, a wall. Uh, it can be handled, but we need those people especially. We're constantly looking for new therapists. Right now, we're we're looking for a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, and a physical therapist to fill some gaps we have. Uh, so, uh, teachers that we have, we we have a full complement of teachers right now. But when we do have need for teachers, they have to meet the same criteria that a teacher in the public school does. They have to be certified. They have to be tested, evaluated. They have to be teaching in field, etc. So. Uh, that's that's a pretty typical situation with a teacher. But the therapist, the after-school care workers, the teacher assistant subs, uh, because any time we have one of those people out, there's a gap. Uh, if you're used to having three people in the room and there's only two, it changes the dynamics of that room considerably. Absolutely. And so those are very important to us. And we also, for the adult programs, uh, direct care professionals um, to help individuals at lunchtime and with their personal care. It may be to drive the van and and pick up individuals who still live with their families to bring them into the program and in our group homes as well. And we have various shifts. Okay. So wrapping up, how do people connect? I can't even talk at the moment. (laughs) Connect, contact. How do they Get in touch with you. Well, our, our administrative office is 432-1596. That's the main office, and you can get directed then to any other location. But Capstone Academy, you would probably want to call directly. Yeah, the Pensacola campus is 458-7735, and I'm going to draw a blank here on the Milton campus. I think it's 626-3091. But as Trudy said, the main office is 432-1596. Any question could be answered there, including redirecting to one of the other campuses. 
You all also have uh, web addresses, capstonelearning.org or capstoneacademy.org. And it amazes me how many Facebook pages there are. Capstone (laughs) Adaptive Learning and Therapy Centers. And then there's Capstone Academy Pensacola, Capstone Academy Milton, Milton Child Care Center, and the Transition Employment Center for Capstone. So there's a variety of ways people can get in touch with you. And I think we've covered everything that was our objective today, unless you all have something else that we need to add. And again, people can call you, contact you with any questions that they have, volunteer, give you money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or gummy bears. Yeah, gummy bears. I'll I'll sit still if you give me gummy bears. (laughs) Well, we truly appreciate you being here today. We certainly do. Thank you very much. And we look forward to some of your... uh, fundraisers i was yes. looking down through the list it's huge yes we, we do lots of fun stuff we have fun stuff and we can use volunteers too well there you so go that, and we so thank we'll you for having us today and yeah. i just want to emphasize you're one of those agencies out there that give people hope and we truly appreciate you um so we'll wrap up the show by talking about tlc caregivers just a little bit uh just to remind people we provide non-medical services in the community i used to say in home but that's really not completely accurate in the environment of your choice the environment that you live in and one of the neat things recently that i've emphasized is we've even helped people that have traveled to the area and they're staying in the local community whether it's out on the beach or in a condo in town or wherever it is but they have someone in their party that needs some kind of assistance and we've provided that so it's wherever Uh, companion respite homemaking the child care bathing assistance we do have the services that can assist you And we always talk about we do more than you think, TLC caregivers. And be sure to like us on Facebook or call us 24 hours a day at 850-857-0920. And thank you again, Capstone. This show will be linked on our Facebook. And I know Trudy said it will be linked on theirs. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Trudy and Charles, for being here. TLC caregivers, let's talk community. We do more than you think. This show is brought to you by TLC Caregivers. TLC Caregivers, we do more than you think. Learn more at tlccaregivers.com.